Hello and welcome to Pole Position, a podcast series from the Hoover Institution covering the 2016 election season. Pole Position is hosted by Hoover Research Fellow Bill Whalen, an expert in U.S. and California politics and elections. Hello, it's Tuesday, October the 11th, and welcome to Pole Position, the Hoover Institution's ongoing look at the 2016 election, now just 28 days away. 28 days, by the way, also being a Sandra Bullock movie about going into rehab, which doesn't sound so bad at this point in the election, now does it? I'm Bill Whalen, a Hoover Research Fellow. Joining me today, the usual political suspects, David Brady, a Stanford University political scientist and the Davies Family Senior Fellow here at Hoover, and Doug Rivers, likewise a Stanford political scientist and Hoover Senior Fellow, as well as a Chief Scientist for YouGov, the Palo Alto-based polling firm. Gentlemen, good to see you both. Thank you. Good to be here, Bill. Remember, no locker room talk. <laughs> the debate. I'm going to rant here for a minute about the debate. Cut me off when I get too extreme on this. But rant away. <laughs> I thought the debate was actually a wonderful snapshot of this election in this regard. First of all, Donald Trump. I thought Trump was pretty god awful in the first 20 minutes of his debate. If it were vaudeville, they would have put out a shepherd's crook and pulled him off the stage. The last 70 minutes, though, not so bad. He tended to hold little against her, actually had an advantage over her in terms of a lot of questions. She seemed awkward. It was the opposite of his first debate, where he was strong in the beginning of it and terrible in the second part. Uh, as for her, I thought this was a chance for her to really put her throat on the foot, of, or foot on the throat of this election and just put him away, and she wasn't that terribly strong, I thought. Though so you didn't really get a lot resolved in this, as far as I was concerned. The audience. The audience. In case you didn't notice, the audience asked question after question about themselves. What are you doing to make me feel better? What are you doing to help me? And this is really, this is America, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. It's a very, it's a very self-oriented country. It's a country that's very selfish in a lot of regards. Sadly, we're looking at one more presidential election where we're going to return another baby boomer to office. And consider what the last three baby boomer presidents have done to this country. <laughs> they have seriously screwed up our country in terms of our financial standing, our military, our foreign policy standing, our moral standing within this country. I'm going to give one more boomer the shot. Finally, Kenneth Bone. Who is Kenneth Bone? Kenneth Bone is now an internet sensation. This is what happens in America when you go on TV and you stand out. He's a rather heavyset gentleman. He's a 34-year-old operator at a coal plant in Illinois. The story goes he was supposed to wear a suit the debate, and he has a weight problem, and he got out of his car and he ripped his suit. So he had to go to Plan B, and Plan B was his bright red cable-knit Izod sweater, which just jumped out at you on the TV. And to a lot of snotty people living on the two coasts, he is the embodiment of Midwest tacky. And now he is climbing up the internet. He is an internet meme. He's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel. And we're both going to loud Kenneth Bone for asking an honest policy question, but we're also going to make fun of him at the same time because of where he comes from. One final thing about the debate, and then I'm going to get into the conversation here. The last question about it, where they asked the obligatory, Doug, can you say something nice about Dave? Dave, can you say something nice about no. Dave? No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a quick end to your debate. I can't tell you how many times I've been in debate prep where we run this question by the candidate because you know that either the moderator is going to ask it or somebody else is going to ask it if the tone of the election is bitter and nasty and divided. What nice thing can Doug Rivers say about Dave Brady? And so you rehearse the question with the candidates so they're not caught flat-footed. So naturally the question comes up in this vicious debate and they're both flat-footed. They go through a little Alphonse Gaston of you first, no you first. And what are their answers? Trump's answer is, well, gee, Hillary is really, she really is, you know, she's driven. She really just doesn't quit stopping, which when you think about it is, number one, 
it's a backhanded compliment because most people should at some point stop what they're doing and reconsider, <laughs> be it business, romance, whatever their pursuit is. Uh, but secondly, it completely dumps all over his message that this woman is dying and she's sickly and she's too weak to hold the office. And then what is her response to Trump? The nice thing she can say about Trump? She can't say anything nice about him. She praises his children. So <laughs> that is your election, I think, in a nutshell, the town hall debate, this bitter town hall debate. Well, before we start, Bill, I want to know, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be on a plane to Mexico in about 12 hours from now, honestly, sitting on the beach wondering how I'm going to vote in this election, if I can bring cigars back in the country. That is my debate. But no, I just, I thought the debate was a snapshot here, so... You can bring cigars back. I can, yes, thank you. Well, you don't declare them. Okay. So, having ranted... That should make you vote for Obama, shouldn't it? I know, it really does. look good there. His Cuban policy appealed to me, no question about that. So now that I've ranted and raved like a lunatic about this debate, let's talk about what effect, if any, this debate had on the election. Doug, you crunched numbers. Well, well, first, I'd like to apologize last week for suggesting that debates are a good thing in American <laughs> presidential campaigns. I called him on that. I called, I sent him an email said, after the debate, I said, right in the middle of it, I said, you sure you want to stick by that comment, debates are a good thing? Um, so uh, we had a busy weekend at uh, YouGov. Um, so on Friday night, uh, I wondered if there would be, uh, this was the final straw, the Trump sex tape. Um, and so we went into the field with a survey, uh, re-interviewing people that we talked to a week before. Uh, and uh, we found um, the survey showed higher support for Clinton when I looked at uh, the change in people's preferences versus the previous week, there was no change, maybe half a point. Wow. Uh, what had happened was that um, the Trump supporters on Saturday, when most of them were taking the survey, apparently weren't in the mood to uh, take a survey about the presidential election. Uh, and so we had about a 5% lower response rate for Trump voters than for uh, Clinton voters. Mm-hmm. And the result is that it looked, if you just took the survey as one shot, uh, like there was a bump for Hillary. Uh, but in fact, if you looked at the individual level, there was no change. The difference was who was taking surveys. Right. Uh, I can't tell if the people not taking surveys um, had stuck to their uh, vote intention uh, supporting Trump or uh, whether they uh, had switched. But my guess is they stayed in place. Because on uh, Sunday, we did another instant survey. This time we asked people um, Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, whether they were planning on watching the debate. And if so, would they take a survey? Uh, We came back to them at the end of the debate and asked them who won. Uh, Our survey showed a narrow win for Hillary Clinton. Really? um, By about uh, five points. Mm A smaller survey done by CNN showed a whopping win for Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Luntz did a focus group uh, that seemed to suggest that Trump had done better. Right. Um, let me digress for one moment and say you know, what I think is different between those surveys. Um, the, we were very careful to screen a random sample of people, a representative sample of people. Um, and then what we found is that more Democrats were, uh, and women were planning on watching the survey than men. So our survey was uh, 
was balanced to the uh, what we thought the composition of the paid audience was going to be. The CNN survey they didn't release the uh, marginals on it. At least I haven't seen them. No, but they did say they had. But they more kept Democrats. saying it was skewing heavily Democratic, and they had Clinton winning 57-34, right. uh, big win, uh, which I don't think most people watching the debate uh, came away with that impression. Uh, so I think our number is quite a bit better than the one CNN had. Uh, but again, we were looking for uh, change. We asked people, uh, did the debate change your mind? Only 5% of the people said it had any effect on them. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of uh, differences in their pre-debate vote intention that we'd measured uh, the previous day, we found zero change for either candidate. Uh, all the movement that's happening at the moment is coming among uh, undecideds, non-voters, third-party candidates. We are seeing a shrinkage of the vote. Um, but the uh, polls you're seeing this week, which telephone polls that were conducted starting on Sunday, such as the Wall Street Journal uh, NBC poll, um, which seem to be showing a big bump, uh, I think are, again, uh, problems in one-shot polls. Uh, they're... There doesn't a, uh, the NBC Wall Street Journal poll, for example, has way too many uh, Obama 2012 voters in it uh, compared to what we know there actually were. Um, and they had a poll that, depending Obama on. Obama won by about 14 points on that. I, I, I looked at it. Yeah, the, I think I they're living in an true. alternate yeah. reality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, um, you know, so that they were showing, depending on how you ask the question, an 11 to 14 point. Clinton lead, uh, that's down to nine in the poll that they released today. Um, so I, I think what we're going to see is a big bump up in Clinton's support uh, in the averages of the polls, mm -hmm. and then it'll dissipate uh, midweek. Right. Well, Dave, it seems that we've had three debates now, which I would define as coming home debates in this regard, and that they've been predominantly negative affairs in which neither candidates, presidential or vice presidential, seem to have much interest in reaching across the aisle to Democrats, Republicans, or independents. It's mostly spent about deriding your opponent so as to thump your own base. Right. Um, tell us a bit about the movement inside the parties right now about, about, <coughs> well, uh, about Trump and Clinton picking up their So the votes. YouGov, we've run a, uh, since May, uh, recontact survey where we interview the same 5,000 people. And uh, what's happened, they're exactly right, what's happened is neither candidate until the last couple of weeks had absolutely firmed up the base uh, uh, to the extent that Obama and Romney uh, had in the 2012 election. But they're moving very uh, close to it now. Uh, more in Mrs. Clinton's case. She's at 88% of Democrats across uh, the recontact, one of the surveys Doug just talked about. Uh, he's at 81% of Republicans, mm -hmm. and for the first time, independents are about a 50-50 split. So, the only, so that's all, I think, to be expected. Uh, it's a little late for that movement to occur. Usually right. in 2008 and 12, it was there before this. But in, the, uh, in regard, the one thing that's still really strikingly different is the number, we have 8%, 7 to 8% still saying they're going to vote for a third-party candidate and 7 or 8% saying they're undecided. That's, <clears throat> that's a little unusual. But the third-party voters are way down. <clears throat> yeah, uh, way there, yeah. Uh, but I think what's happened is uh, Trump has a base of support that's about 40% of the electorate. And they're just not going to go away. Yes. Um, if you look at the reactions to the sex tape, <coughs> right. they said 
it's locker room talk, Bill Clinton is worse, or one respondent said, uh, he's, you know, we asked him how he treats women, he said, horribly, but if Satan were running, I would prefer him over Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, so what Trump did by that sort of aggressive, uh, non-contrite uh, beginning to the debate is he played to his base. Uh, and I think that uh, has worked to his advantage because what it means is he stemmed the, um, by rallying his base who really like him and don't particularly like the Republican elected officials, he's made it very costly for Republicans to walk away from him. What you had on Saturday was just, you know, scads of Republican congressmen, a uh, few senators, uh, governors, essentially saying they weren't going to vote for Trump. Right. Um, and he stemmed that bleeding. Uh, and I think what you saw Paul Ryan do today is he's, he's not going to appear with Trump. He's not going to campaign for him. But he did not endorse him. Uh, and so the Republican elected officials are uh, have this difficult problem of how do you – um, continue to get the vote of the Trump supporters without uh, getting the taint of um, associating yourself with Trump with moderates and independents. Difficult may be understating it. Politico did a, a quick poll on Saturday, and they uh, based it off the, the audio tape as well, and they asked Republicans, I don't have the details of the poll, but they asked Republicans, uh, should the party stick with Trump? Should the party support Trump? Should Trump drop out? A very low number of Republicans said he should drop out, and a very high number, I think it was about 75%, said the party should stay behind him. So the grassroots may be more pro-Trump than we think here, but you're right. This is the problem if you're Paul Ryan. You're looking at the polls. You're looking not just at the national four-way polls, which show her with the lead now. You're looking at the battleground states as well, where she is building leads now, and I want to talk about one in particular, Florida. Um, so you're thinking he's going to lose this election. But on the other hand, you want death with dignity, if that's possible, with Donald Trump, because why? There's a world of difference between a four or five point race and a 10 point race, especially if you still want to be called Speaker Ryan next year. So you're Paul Ryan, you go out in public, that's how you get this awkward situation where you get on the phone and you say, I can't I can't be with this guy, I can't be seen with him, I can't campaign with him. And then you make another run back, run back report and say, well, by the way, I'm not taking away my endorsement. So what do you do? Uh, I don't think there's any good strategy. Uh, you know, I think, what Trump has done is pretty much guaranteed that he's going to lose the election. Right. Uh, that uh, he, he basically isn't doing anything that's going to win moderate or independent votes. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as the stuff keeps coming out, uh, it's hard for him to mount a campaign. Right. Um, on the other hand, uh, the Republicans getting 40% of the vote, if it turns out to be that, is a disaster because you will start <coughs> to lose House seats. And stuff that you know, we didn't think the House was really at issue, and we still don't have any good data to tell us whether um, Democrats have a chance of taking the House. Mm -hmm. um, but if you believe the generic congressional ballot numbers in that uh, NBC Wall Street Journal poll, mm -hmm. plus seven, that puts the House at risk for Republicans. Our mean. own number at YouGov is um, a three-point deficit, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that uh, Republicans can weather and uh, retain control of the house. So Dave, let me ask you a question. What is, what is Al Gore doing in Florida? Uh, hoping that he won in 2000. Uh, Demanding a recount. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's uh, there just to firm up the 
you know, they're bringing out the stars. Right. She's there. Uh, Michelle Obama's going, et cetera. So it's a close state. So I think that uh, they want to win. They want to win Florida because without Florida, really tough for Trump they to win. They seem to be targeting two things here. Number one, they seem to think that there is um, there is room to grow in Florida when it comes to talking about climate change in the afternoon of in the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew and. Florida being worried about oceans in general. So they think that Gore is a perfect messenger for that. Secondly, they think that Gore is a conduit to millennial voters where she struggles. They're in trouble if uh, Al Gore is the best they can do with millennials. Yeah. I know we can do the math on how old you would have been if you were a 20 year old. Al Al Gore, the little bit on the climate change, I I could sort of on the periphery buy that, but with millennials, I don't don't think Al Gore is. Al Gore is not the guy. Let's talk about that for a minute. So you guys keep tracking the electorate and the economy continues to be the Lord King issue, correct? Yes. Okay. But as you look into different age groups and you look at millennials in particular, what revs their motor? It is climate change a way for her to make inroads? Well, I did look at uh, one thing I was looking at was uh, I looked at younger votes. So it turns out that um, among strong Democrats, Mrs. Clinton is at 93, 94%. She's where Obama was. But among lean or not so strong Democrats, they tend to be a little younger. And the younger they are, the more likely they are not to have come fully aboard her. She's now improved among them. She's at like 70, 72%, but she has not fully uh, brought them over. And I can say I teach them, and I really don't have any really good idea about what what they want. It's not (laughs) capitalism. It's not not a career. They want to feel good about themselves. Doug, Doug, where do you you think they are? Because here, here you have Hillary's not connecting with them. Trump's not connecting with them. And Dr. Jill Stein, the Green Party nominee, she is usually at a whopping, what, 2% in the polls or something like that? One. Well, she was at uh, at five, five, and she's now at one or, or excuse me, at yeah. two or less. This is a and I think she'll end yeah. at under yeah. one. Yeah. This is a candidate whose campaign probably has had two highlights. Number one, when she got an arrest warrant for a pipeline protest. And then secondly, when she got dragged off the campus at one of the debates. So it's not been, a, not been an exciting movement. So what, yeah, what, so are, you, what are these voters doing? Yeah, so, I mean, one thing is you try to pick issues like free college and uh, the environment and being against trade and so forth to appeal to younger people. But, but you know, Hillary is so much closer on most of these issues to any Republican uh, that it doesn't look like policy is, is moving the voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and her Hillary's problem closer is, to Republicans? Or? No, no, that yeah. she's closer to millennials. Millenn- yeah, fine. Um, on policy matters. Right. I mean, Hillary ticks off all the boxes in terms right. of policy. Right. Um, she does her homework. She has positions on these things. She can talk to you. To, she's blue in the face. She and, hasn't come out for free booze yet. Oh. But um, in the end, that Sorry. doesn't seem to be uh, particularly motivational. Um, and I don't, I don't think sending Al Gore to talk uh, about <laughs> climate change in Florida is going to help. Um, you know, the, the thing that surprised me about the Clinton campaign is they haven't been able to get some buzz going with younger voters about the first woman president. Right. Uh, everybody knows a woman president's coming, and Hillary is unfortunately, uh, you know, used goods. Uh, and, uh, but if I, if I were trying to get some excitement going, uh, that's what I would go after. It's interesting, when you look through the WikiLeaks data dump, this question comes up in several email strains, just 
what do we say about the women's message? How do we portray her? How do we put her out there? And they struggle with it. Now, I don't know if it's a fact that just we women have become a more growing force in politics. We've gone through several elections that have been called the year of the woman. You can look to Margaret Thatcher and Angela Merkel, so maybe it's not quite the novelty, even on a TV show like Veep on HBO, we have women presidents. But uh, I, I um, compare it to, I call it the Jackie Robinson problem, plain and simple. Next April is the 70th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating baseball, crossing a line. And we remember Jackie Robinson is a very talented uh, baseball player, but also a man of really unimpeachable character. Here she is, is essentially the Jackie Robinson, but in terms of the glass ceiling, and she's crossing it, but she's not Jackie Robinson. She's Barry Bonds. She is, yeah. she is complicated, yes. hard yeah. to process, and kind of yeah. tiring all at once. I think that's a good analysis. Yeah, it's, the question is how she got pegged with that. You know, right. how these emails have turned into something that have people obsessed with. Well, let's uh, start with Whitewater, and one of my favorite moments in the whole Whitewater thing was she made that, uh, she traded in the uh, far, uh, ag market, Spark Valley market, and my favorite line is, so so she traded, uh, made enough money in a trade on Pork Belly Futures, it was very hard to yeah. trade, yeah. in which she made enough to pay for Chelsea, Chelsea's put, tuition. She put in $1,000 and made 100000 I was listening uh, to a guy, and this guy was on the radio station, on NPR, and he said, so listen, he said, what's the odds? The guy was in the stock, Chicago stock market, he said, what's the odds this could happen? She said the odds that she could do that on her own are about the same as the odds that I would be able to start for the Chicago Bulls tonight at center. He yeah. said, I'm Jewish, I'm 73, and I'm 5'4". <laughs> so it started there, and it goes, I mean, the conspiracy, yeah, not to... how the right wing got Monica Lewinsky in the White House. All right, here's the problem. It's not surprising that people do favors for politicians, right. uh, that politicians end up uh, quite a bit wealthier mm -hmm. than you would think they could be based on their salary. I think uh, Lyndon Johnson ended yeah. up uh, being um, yeah. multimillionaire mm -hmm. several times video, over. Video baron. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, uh, yeah, you, you can go through Nick, Nick, Richard Nixon, Nixon as well, yeah. you know, had a uh, mm -hmm. tax write-off. The reason presidential candidates release their tax returns is Nixon's right. taxes. Um, so all, and people don't seem too worked up about the things Donald Trump has managed to do right. to make uh, his whatever amount of money he has. Um, you know, going after your husband's accusers, uh, I can't believe that most people think that's a... So now, let me see. If I get this straight, you are now telling me you don't understand how American voters are not particularly fond of her, and particularly if you're a conservative. No, no. It's, it's clear that Republicans and conservatives have been driven crazy. And independents don't like her but, either. Right. So she has a history from the 1990s when uh, the Clintons drove Republicans crazy. Uh, he, he, he perjured himself uh, clearly and uh, did things that you, at that point, you thought were unspeakable for a president. We may have different views now. Uh, he has blazed the way for Donald Trump. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact is that Hillary was the wife of the guy that drove him crazy. Um, there was something about her that particularly evoked a negative reaction. Uh, but the set of things that you have, I don't think, amount to the level of 
corruption, dishonesty, or anything that's particularly unusual uh, in you politics. You think she's on? Well, no, no but I, let me point out. She's clearly a damaged candidate who has an image of being dishonest, corrupt, and so right. forth. Let me, let me point out one thing, though. Dave, Dave alluded to this. It's the word conspiracy. We're in a conspiratorial society these days. If you go onto a website like TMZ yeah. or Radar, having written about Kim Kardashian being robbed in Paris, they're now running stories about how it was all a hoax, and so they're writing about a conspiracy. If you watch the first debate, people ran photographs of uh, Hillary with maybe having an earpiece. She was getting help. Maybe she was sending signals to Lester Holt. What kind of websites are you visiting, Bill? All part of research. <laughs> Vital research for these podcasts. No, but the Clintons invite, and we could go down the list of people dying under their yeah. watch and things right. which they have done, the FBI, you name it, it's one conspiracy. Part of the rise of Donald Trump was appealing to the cons conspiratorial nature of Republicans out there and conservatives, people who people who buy into the so-called alt-media, who believe who believe the government purposely kill people, who believe that the FBI is in the tank to protect her, who now with these emails and say things with, you know, the, her getting questions ahead of town hall meetings and reporters calling them to tip them off on things, believe. And when Trump says the system is rigged, there are people out there who completely buy so, sure. for me. But there's a – most of those people she never had a shot with. Right. But look, Her problem but, is but the email it, stuff, yeah. the Clinton Foundation and so forth, are tarnishing her image with voters that she I'm should just, have I'm a shot. I'm just saying they're magnets for this kind of talk, and it just – and this is this is one of the downsides of her being elected. But, this talk just is not going to go but away. But look, it, that can all be true. But from, from my perspective, if you look at her, you say, okay, here's a person – who says, oh, we want to set up those who played by the rules in the 80s, uh, they got screwed, and now we're going to change things. And when we got, we're so poor when we get out. She, sa she's, she, sa she says the opposite right. of what she does. She got filthy rich, making speeches that were pro-trade, et cetera, et cetera. She was for the president's trade policy. Now she's against it. And people look out there and they say, here's somebody that wants to be president so bad, she'll do anything, including go after, uh, knows that her president's, uh, her husband fools around. And, and my favorite statement was in her book where she says, now, you know, he was, it's true, he is my husband, but I was also... Imagine what if she would have been Secretary of the Treasury, what, how she would have been offended. It, it's, it's, well, it's just there. I, so, I, so, I, don't, I get it. Well, I get why people don't like it. So now we're getting another like problem it. with the election, that you have two people who've been on the scene for 25, 30-plus years, Trump through TV and her through politics. And over that course of time, they are, shall I be polite about this, they have moderated and changed their stances on many of topics. So when she comes out and denounces instant wealth, yes, she's a hypocrite. When he comes out and he talks about his sincere belief in a certain issue, abortion, for example, being one of them, you go, you go back and say, well, wait a second, 10, 20 years ago, you weren't that way. They both invite this. One other thing. What about when he left office? It was the worst set of pardons I have ever seen. He just pardoned people who were criminals hiding out in Europe because he gave them, they gave him a bunch of money. I think that's why they don't – that's why they're not – I'm now you're getting me upset. Yeah, I, I don't think if you look at the public at large, they have much of a memory of the specifics that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, if you follow uh, the sort of websites that Bill's been visiting, yeah, you'll find chapter and verse on – uh, you know, how Hillary murdered uh, Vince Foster and so But forth. you agree it builds up. Sure. I mean, people get baggage over time. Yeah. Uh, but her husband, 
who has a lot more baggage than she does, yeah. uh, seems to get a, a much more of a pass than she does. Now, he has much more of the common touch. Um, yes. But, you know, he still gets, uh, you know, if we ask favorability ratings, his are very high, much higher than hers. Because well, he's generally a likable guy. He generally, if you sit down with him, he comes across as kind of a fellow he'd like yeah. to have dinner with or a drink yeah. with or something like that. He could be on that bus with Donald oh, Trump and listen, Billy Bush. Listen, he's absolutely charming. <laughs> he's exactly. absolutely charming. I, I remember watching Barack Obama come down uh, before the, uh, making this State of the Union message. And, and just thinking the difference between Bill Clinton loved every step of that route. He was hugging people. And you could tell Barack Obama wanted it to be sure. done as soon as he could. Exactly. Bill Clinton loves politics and he loves people Clinton, and it comes across. Clinton left town at about 5 o'clock, I think, on the day of, of Bush's inaugural. He just could not get out of there. But, gentlemen, let's see, let me ask you an obligatory question. How baked is this election right now? Well, I don't think it's over. Um, you know, obviously, at the moment, the odds are pretty good well, for Clinton. Now, now, there's the Brady theory, which is that it's like casting for a fish. You just let the string go out there, and as soon as somebody realizes that one of them has a lead, we got to pull it back in because, yikes, they might get elected. But so Well, if Trump could stay out of the news for a few days, yeah. um, but I doubt that's possible. Um, you know, every time that he does and the issue becomes Clinton again, right. uh, she gets hurt. Um, and so they, they haven't crafted yet a positive message that, she, you know, when, if she ever gets a, a little bit of um, airtime and uh, media attention uh, that she could use. Uh, but right now, you know, the Trump stories are sucking the oxygen out of the room, and they aren't helping Trump. Uh, he, you know, the fact that he's still standing is remarkable. It's, but. it's all but over. I think he's got the base. I uh, tried to... Uh, after the Giants game last night, it was, uh, ended too late. I couldn't go back to sleep. I tried to think about what event could happen that Donald would help Donald Trump actually <laughs> win the presidency, and I couldn't think of any event. I couldn't even think of any WikiLeaks thing. And uh, I, I just think it's hard. There may be something, and there are. I agree with Doug. There are enough kind of undecideds and third-party voters. The stuff because I just don't see what he can do to bring anybody around. And he just, at what point do we say the guy's incapable yeah. of doing it? And, yeah. I, and I, think there's, uh, I think there's five, six, eight more tapes sitting out there that they, any time it's coming out, I just don't see how he can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the WikiLeaks of the Clinton speeches, um, yeah. the transcripts yeah. got uh, released uh, on Friday. Right. And uh, Trump managed to completely overwhelm those. Yeah. So uh, there was really uh, no coverage of them. They had no doubt. But we do know that there are going to be continuing WikiLeaks, yeah. and they're probably designed to be as embarrassing yeah. as possible to Clinton. But I thought, in the, I thought when she gave the speech to Goldman Sachs and stuff, she said exactly, in my view, she said exactly the right thing about trade. And globalization. It's a good thing. It's taking people out of poverty. Now that she's running for office, she's yeah. saying something different because she has to get elected. Now, that's politics. I understand that. Right. But it doesn't help her overall uh, image. No, it doesn't. She well, committed the crime of a, expressing a bubble thought, which is that you say one thing in public, you do another yep. thing in private. Right. Yep. So plain and simple. And that played the type, right. yep. which is... Yep. So there is another debate coming up on Wednesday the 19th. So that's eight days from today. So I imagine we circle the calendars for the 16th, the 17th, and 18th and wait for a lot of, a lot of stuff to come down, right? 
I think we're the only people circling our calendars. I think most people at this point are exhausted uh, by these debates. My guess is that it will drop down to uh, 30 to 40 million who won't uh, hang for long. In terms of people bouncing post-debate, Doug, what does your history tell you? What does your sense suggest in terms of movement uh, between debates one, two, and three? Well, it's the first debate that's had the biggest impact in previous years. Uh, That's the one that gets the uh, biggest audience. Uh, The debate is an important thing because that's the first time a lot of people actually focus on the candidates. Uh, The second debate has usually been the sort of comeback one. So we remember uh, Reagan in 1984 against uh, Mondale, uh, Obama in 2012 after having bad first debates coming back and uh, with fairly low expectations, doing well enough to uh, make uh, the debates inconsequential. I can't remember a third debate, uh, anything uh, significant in any of them, but I'm sure you can correct me on that. But you got two, but she did get a two-point bump after the first The first debate, she definitely got a bump. Uh, She went from roughly even to up around four points. Maybe the 2000 debates where Gore in the third debate was also rough as he was in the second debate as a first, and just the combined having to watch him through three nights of just being really an annoying guy, just kind of a jerk. Uh, that you well, I, was, I remember there was a different gore in each of those. So there was the aggressive gore and aggressive the gore, second one. And then exasperated gore. And, and then the in-between gore. In-between gore. Yeah. <laughs> the Goldilocks kind of approach to debating. Okay, so what else are you fellows looking for between now and the next debate, besides obviously plenty of shoes to come out of that closet? I'm looking Tower. for, uh, at some point, the undecideds have to say where they're going. And the uh, third party, I, I believe, like Doug, that the third party vote will uh, continue to fade. Well, actually, actually, well Doug, at this point, I'm moving on to the Senate and the House. Well, that gets me. I, I do want to close <laughs> out. A um, couple minutes on Florida. So I've noticed that uh, you mentioned last week that you see Florida as going Democratic, and I've been starting. I've been watching the networks, and they're following your lead now. They're starting to put it in the D column. So what what has happened here? Well, I, I think the main reason is the Democrats start with a um, several points better uh, than previously in terms of uh, base vote, mm-hmm. uh, growth of the Hispanic population, mm-hmm. and this uh, generational replacement. Um, the, uh, but it, it's interesting. It looks like uh, Rubio is in pretty good shape uh, in terms of winning the Senate race, and that's one there were some doubts about. Um, you know, so you've got voters distinguishing between what's happening at the top of the ticket and the, and the Senate race. Right. So well, your guess on the Senate, though, is 51-49 at uh, this point? I had been guessing, yeah, I think. Yeah. For the Democrats? Yes. Yes. Okay, so a pickup of, that would be a pickup of five. Set five. 54. Right? Yeah, 54-46. 51 overall. So that includes, yeah. the, that includes the two independents? Yes. Yes. Because yeah, there are 44 right. Democratic senators right, right now. Yeah. Okay. And so, Dave, you're watching the two. You're looking at the likes of, well, actually, Ohio. In Ohio, it seems Rob Portman. Is Rob Portman's going to win. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to bet on that. But Let's we'll see what else. Are Wisconsin, well, he's, the Portman race is not been. Yeah. yeah. Illinois. Illinois. Is going. It's closer than I thought. Is it? Kirk, no. Kirk has, uh, I thought he'd be down 5-6, but he's only down a couple. But I think he'll lose, too. Well, yeah. I don't think that's one that's really been on the radar. Now, how about New Hampshire, Doug, where Kelly Ayotte uh, also fell into the Paul Ryan trap of having to explain Trump? I think she was asked. Role if, model. Uh, is he a role model? I think she said yes. Um, 
Yeah, so our samples in New Hampshire are a little small, which makes me reluctant to go too far out on the limb, but I, I think she's toast. Well, it's interesting state because we know they take their politics quite seriously. Mm -hmm. She has, what, a former governor running against her? That's yeah. right. <clears throat> right, so it's not looking yeah. good for her. So, so She's been down in the polls, and she had the, the misfortune of uh, calling uh, Donald Trump a role model in debate. You have uh, Toomey going down? Yes. In Pennsylvania, okay. you have him losing two. Yeah. Okay. Those are still close, though. Yeah, a bunch of these are close, yeah. and they could go either way. Uh, the problem That's where is Trump hurts, really. The strategy is one if, uh, you know, we're Trump essentially picking a fight with uh, Republican elected um, officials. And, this morning, yeah. Uh, is one where you worry that uh, the uh, voters in the states will take the Trump enthusiasts, which there are a bunch of, right. will take it out against uh, the Senate candidates, even though the alternatives are far to the left of them. Well, it seems to me we have... That's the way to hurt Democrats. Yeah. Well, we sort of have what is the worst of any family's fight, which is, okay, take sides between mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, so pick one of them. Gentlemen, as always, good talking to you. Look forward to getting together next week. And, yes, one more debate to come. All right. Who can wait? You've been listening. I can. You've been listening to Pole Position, a Hoover Institution podcast. For more information about the Hoover Institution, please visit our website. That's www.hoover.org. And while you're there, I encourage you to sign up for the Hoover Daily Report. It keeps you up to date on all the ways Hoover fellows are making news, their studies, analyses, and commentaries. It arrives in your inbox every business day. You can also find us on Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at HooverINST. For the Hoover Institution, this is Bill Whalen. Thanks for sitting in with us today. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more research by our fellows on the 2016 election, please visit hoover.org slash decision 2016. For more podcasts from Hoover, please visit hoover.org or Hoover's channels on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. I'm Chris Dower for the Hoover Institution. Thanks for listening.